Let's talk about that speech with Claire and Rachel. Hey guys, before we dive into today's episode, we wanted to let you know that SpeechTherapyPD.com is hosting a teletherapy reboot called Navigating a New Era, and it's a virtual conference that will take place on March 28th, 2021. The best part is you can earn 0.7 free ASHA CEUs, which includes ASHA reporting. And I'm going to give you the three different sessions that they're going to go over just to give you something to look forward to. So the first session is called teletherapy, looking back and looking forward. And they're going to cover the insights and challenges of teletherapy. The second session is called Mental Health, How to Survive and Thrive, and they're going to cover the social and emotional well-being of the professional, parents, and the child. And the third session is called Filling the Gap, Bridging Cultural Competence to the SLP, and they're going to cover how we increase diversity into the field and bring cultural awareness into our practice. If you need more information or want the link to sign up, make sure you visit the link in our bio. Thanks, guys. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Talk About Speech podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Claire. And we're back for another episode. Last week, we talked all about your CFY year and some advice, um, some tips that we had for you, some interview questions. So if you haven't had a chance to take a listen to that, stop, go listen, and then come back. So this week on the episode, we have a very special guest, Hinda Rubin, who is the founder of Clanguage. Correct me, Hinda, if I'm saying it correctly. You're doing it perfectly. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so much for being on our show. We're so excited to talk to her. Um, She is new to kind of the social media part of our um, speech and language platform, but she has so many amazing ideas about merging pottery skills with language skills. And we're really excited to hear from her and get some ideas for you guys and for you guys, hopefully to feel inspired because we are already feeling inspired by things we've learned from her. So Hinda, thank you so much for coming on here. Oh, it's a privilege. Thank you so much. I'm really excited and thank you for this exciting opportunity. Of course, Hinda, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your area of interest just as an SLP um, and the population that you work with currently? Sure. Well, um, just to backtrack a little bit, I was born and raised in Chicago. And when I started college, I didn't know what I wanted to major in. Um, After a year at Loyola University, I um, decided to work in New York um, full time and attend night school until I knew what I wanted to major in. So one of my jobs was at Academic Press. And um, one of my jobs there was to decipher between critical and non-critical book reviews. Mm -hmm. And some of the books that I came across had to do with speech and hearing. I was already familiar with the field and that started my path as a speech pathologist. So I continued to work in the field and um, I, I, I continued to study, but I went on to graduate school uh, trained as a medical speech pathologist, but after um, 
I got married shortly after that. And after I had my kid, my first two kids, um, I decided I'd work in the school setting because mm-hmm. um, it just, the hours just worked better. Yeah. So, um, so that I could be home when they were home. Anyway, fast forward just a little bit, uh, a lot. Around the time that my um, that our oldest daughter started college, she presented me with this really beautiful piece of pottery, and I wanted to take a pottery class with her. I had never had pot- any pottery experience, and so I researched classes in the area. And um, anyway, it turns out she wasn't available for the full eight weeks that summer, only four weeks. So I just said, you know what? I'm signing myself up and I've been hooked ever since. That's so, yeah. And um, so when I started working in the schools, um, uh, first in New York and then Chicago, I found that working with the high school kids was really very rewarding. And I enjoyed helping the high school students prepare for job interviews. Um, I was part of their community-based instruction. We worked on real life and vocational skills in coffee shops, grocery stores, and helped them prepare for future employment opportunities. And that's just a little bit about me and areas of interest. I love that. So it sounds like you've had a lot of experiences working with children and then you touched on your pottery experiences. So how did you um, kind of start your social media platform on Instagram? Um, Because you already have a huge following and I know Claire and I have um, had the opportunity to look at some of your posts and we just love the stuff that you're doing. So how did you get started with that? Oh, thank you so much. So, um, uh, one of my daughters-in-law uh, uh, knew that I was looking to um, trying to share my passion and get the word out there. And she said, mom, you have to go on Instagram. And I was a little bit nervous about it. <laughs> and uh, I was like, uh, okay. And um, I made my first little video, took three days for the one minute video. <laughs> I said, oh, good. Okay, I did it. I did it. Okay, I'm done. Yay. Like, no, you're not done. You're just starting. <laughs> oh, okay. We have more to do. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What did you get me into? But, no, seriously. <laughs> seriously, I'm really glad that... Um, I was able, I'm able to meet so many speech pathologists and I marvel at um, the sharing community mm-hmm. and what I missed out on when I started as a speech pathologist. I mean, it's I know. really incredible. Rachel and I talk about that all the time, how amazing it is that all of these speech therapists have kind of come together, especially during this time of COVID to share ideas and support one another. And it's really a great system, I think. It, just to, sh- to shout out, hey, I have this type of a case. Can somebody give me some suggestions? Exactly. I mean, when I started, we had monthly meetings and at our monthly meetings, we would, you know, have a few minutes to share and ask questions to one another. By nature, we were a sharing community also mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. when I started. Just, I think that's just the nature of the speech pathologist. Right. But, um, but this opportunity, um, this venue is really something. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited. 
Absolutely. to be part of it. And, and if anybody, uh, when I come a, across um, a speech path having difficulty in a school setting, either uh, struggling with um, certain things that I may have struggled with, I just love DMing and saying and sharing a personal experience to show some support. That's wonderful. Well, and you have many videos now on your page. So we're glad that you're continuing with this and showing your passion with pottery and language. Can you tell us kind of why you incorporate or how you incorporate the clay with the language skills um, and into your speech therapy sessions? Sure. Well, first, I think it would be helpful if I explain a little bit how the how language developed, uh, how I, um, when I first started going into the classroom setting to use Great. clay, mm -hmm. and how that began. Um, you know, as we, as we know, often school speech pathologists provide speech services collaboratively in the classrooms um, for the purposes of promoting inclusion. So, um, as a school speech pathologist, I was trying to find ways to provide services in the classroom so that it worked well for the students. And um, I had an amazing experience providing services in an art classroom. First of all, uh, I got lucky in this one specific case where four students on my caseload were scheduled for art the same time and day. Mm. The art, yeah, that's very unusual. Mm -hmm. The art teacher and I collaborated and planned how we could help students achieve their speech goals while learning about survival signs. Um, they were the um, the school curriculum was covering survival signs at survival signs at the time, and um, the atmosphere in the classroom was just like naturally conducive to communication, to a great deal of communication and different types of expression. So together we help students create stop signs, yield signs and more. And we collaborated face-to-face um, -face briefly and then followed up with um, emails to um, so that we could educate each other on what the other one was working on. Um, I was working on increasing mean length of utterance and um, some of the visual cues that I use, she was able to use easily. I explained it, uh, um, for example, we plan to hold up one finger at a time, each finger representing a word, using a carrier phrase, I want more play, please, I want um, red clay, please, etc. And um, it worked really well. And you know how as speech pathologists, uh, we, we like to provide positive reinforcement. Well, I have to tell you, I will never forget the day after that first session, I walked into my office and there was a pile of clay on my desk. And I remember thinking, what? What's this? Where did this come from? I mean, there were like 10 or 12 boxes Oh my gosh. I did a little research. The principal, the principal oh. put them on my desk. I tell you, I have tears in my eyes when I just, oh. when I think about that. Um, and that just set me off, set me going and really, really was the best reinforcement I ever got. Oh, that's <laughs> working wonderful. In school. Thank you. Thank you. I was so excited about that. So um, that started and then 
in the ed school, now I know every school is different. I was able to get some help from the programming department to program some of the kids into the art class at the same time. Hmm. Some of the kids on my caseload. If I, if I made the request at the right time when they were making um, the schedule changes, it was a, you know, that's, that's just something important um, for speech pathologists to know that in some situations you can do that. Yeah. And um, the next thing I wanted to tell you um, was uh, about the population I work in now. Um, so I retired from uh, my position as a full-time speech pathologist in the schools about five years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I wanted to spend more time with my grandchildren, but I knew I wanted to remain in the field. And lo and behold, one day, soon after my retirement, <laughs> my so-called retirement, my <laughs> husband <laughs> mentioned language to the owner of uh, private daycares and preschool. And before I could get to a beach and retire, I was in five daycares and preschools introducing language oh in a whole goodness. new way. Yes. That's yes. so exciting uh, for you though. Oh. It really is. It really is. Um, and I, I just, the parents and the staff have been so wonderful to work with and they really love the program. Um, I go in about two or three times a year for eight-week sessions, and together we created um, an opportunity for children to learn about different types of clay, ear dry, earthenware, polymer, homemade, and they use we use pottery tools, the little three- and four-year-olds, and by going in once a week, I'm able to screen, make referrals, educate staff about speech and language norms, and really just try and create a language rich environment um, with them. And we have so much fun. And to see little kids manipulating pottery tools. I'm sure. Uh, and when I had to wait till I was quite a bit older <laughs> to have that experience, it makes me so happy. And, yeah. and it really, it, it, just, it just works. And it's your two passions colliding, which I think is oh, so yes. wonderful. Yes, yes, yes. You get it. You know it. <laughs> oh, yes. I have to say, um, you posted, I think it was last week, a really adorable picture of some clay and then some different animals. And you guys were comparing and contrasting the different footprints. And I yes. think one was like a little piggy and one was a big elephant. And I thought that was such a unique idea that ties both, you know, language concepts like comparing and contrasting indirectly to using the clay and manipulating it in different ways. I loved that. I thought that was so unique. Yeah, thank you so much. And the reason why I um, zoomed in on comparing and contrasting is because when I go over the, um, the core standards and what children are expected to do, they're comparing and contrasting is really a, quite a difficult skill as you get older and the earlier you start, the better. And not to mention how much fun it is also when you present it in that way, mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, you really can build on that. 
I mean, I, I think I still have nightmares in high school thinking about some of the exams I took, compare and contrast right. history <laughs> classes. So yeah, let's start in younger. So fun. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I know I, I'm in an elementary school and I would say a large majority of my students that have language goals struggle with comparing and contrasting. Mm -hmm. So I'm right there with you. Um, Going kind of along with that, can you touch a little bit on just the importance and really the benefits of using that multi-sensory approach with the clay and the language? Oh, so important. It is so important. Um, I love, well, why I incorporate clay, of course, is because I love working with clay and the kids sense that I, and the kids sense that they pick up on it. Yeah. Um, if you like it, go, go with it for sure. I remember learning about multi-sensory approach um, just the first time and really appreciating its value even before I had done any research um, it just made sense uh, on the surface, just hearing about it the first time. And research by Musavi, Lowe, Sweller, Judith Birch, Alita Anderson, um, Mass, I hope I'm pronouncing the name right yeah. at, at all, um, and others have really helped us understand that when using sensory modes, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, tactile, the processes help develop concepts before they're used in language. Mm -hmm. And then when the children receive the multi-sensory feedback, auditory, visual, and especially tactile learning is enhanced. And it just makes sense um, it does. for that reason. And clay is a hands-on task. It, it helps decrease off-task behaviors. Forgive me, I read that on Instagram about two months ago, but I don't remember who, and I apologize to that <laughs> <That's> person. <okay. laughs> uh, I'd like to give credit where credit is due. <laughs> and clay allows for open-ended play to create, investigate, explore. Oh my gosh, um, it helps our kids be present mm -hmm. and, and, and focus on something. What an outlet from today's worries. Right, exactly. I love that. Could you, yeah. could you tell us a little, cause you're, you're kind of going into it, I think now, but tell us a little bit about some of the activities you do with the clay. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, some of the general activities involve cutting the clay, cutting in these lots of different ways to cut clay, um, in and use some, some divergent thinking approaches to um, using common household items, items found around the school to cut into clay, um, mm -hmm. rolling slabs of clay, making coils, pinching, poking, pounding, and then more specific activities, creating shoes, boots, mm -hmm. animals, again, using clay, uh, pottery tools from the, pottery tools and items from the environment, um, younger populations roll out slabs, they press their favorite toys for cause and effect experience. You know, the slab is like a blank slate. Yeah. And um, engage in turn-taking um, uh, strategies used are parallel talk, language scaffolding, focus simulation, recasting. 
And goals can include um, expanding the length of utterance, uh, figurative language, increasing vocabulary, receptive and expressive skills, comparing and contrasting. Um, it was really important mm -hmm. to me to structure these plans so that they can be so that they can be followed exactly as they are to benefit a ch um, the child or young adult, but also to structure them so that the user has flexibility and can interject goals appropriate for the child that they're working with or the right. young adult. Absolutely. I Go ahead, Rachel. Oh, I was just going to say, I love that you can kind of adapt it to whatever the needs are because it's so versatile and you can kind of target whatever you need to. Yeah, absolutely. And clay is very cost effective. Uh, yes. A bag of, of clay can be used and reused. And mm -hmm. um, if it gets dry, you wet it. And, you know, it's just really a wonderful tool. Yeah. It can become anything, a lot of bang for your buck. Right. And I, I'm curious from um, a behavior standpoint for kids that may need like that sensory input or that calming input, if you find that the clay is helpful, helpful for those reasons as well, yes. because I have some kids that um, require like Play-Doh, which is similar, a little bit softer, I'm sure, but um, right. require something in their hands to manipulate. And I think clay might even be better for that because I believe it's a it's little stiffer. Yes, yes, it varies in texture and mm -hmm. through trial and um, with ex uh, trial and error and the different, trying the different varieties of clay, mm -hmm. air dry versus um, um, earthenware. Also, it, some of them have more grog um, okay. and it, making it a little more sandy feeling. Mm -hmm. um, so really there are different types of clay out there in, and kids will let you know what they're comfortable with. They'll give you the feedback. Yeah. And it's true. Um, and, you know, when you want to engage children in, let's say, some auditory bombardment and you mm -hmm. want them gathered around together to, to teach uh, whatever it is you're teaching at the time, you have a better chance of keeping them seated around the table when their hands are immersed in clay um, and they're engaged and, um, it's a great opportunity for them to hear whatever it is, um, that you'd, you'd like them to hear and learn and repeat. It's, I love that. Yeah, it's definitely engaging. And as we kind of all know, the past year or so has been a little challenging with, um, normal speech therapy moving to like a virtual or teletherapy platform. So have you been able to incorporate clay and language on a virtual platform like through zoom meeting or google Meet, or have you found that to be a little bit challenging so i spent most of the time uh doing um over zoom this past year mm -hmm. uh, because the daycares and the preschools weren't having anybody coming in and they weren't doing it over zoom i was disappointed but what i was able to do was uh, give, uh, um, I was able to present language to some universities as a guest lecture mm. and share it with them, uh, share it with 
because ultimately I want other people to obviously to be able to do this and to be excited about using clay. Mm -hmm. And um, whether I was giving a lecture to uh, speech pathology majors or early childhood educators, uh, I got a lot of good feedback and there was a lot of enthusiasm about using clay. And so at least I was able to do that over Zoom. And I did do a few lessons. Um, I did volunteer with some families uh, to use clay. Um, and it was kind of funny, some of the experiences I had, I, I, I was planning on, it's a little bit hard to monitor what the other side is doing with the clay initially. Right. And <laughs> it, was really, it was really cute. One little boy, we were working on um, making, um, Oh, masks and masks, mm -hmm. clay masks. Uh, that's one of the activity plans. And before I knew it, he 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 created a beautiful set of head headphones out of clay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but so I, I can't see how I can. It, it definitely can work. I mean, I it's our hope that we're going to be providing services in person, right? Um, you know, and. Um, and that speech pathologists can use this to go into the, into special ed classrooms or general education classrooms, or um, speech pathologists and clinics um, can feel comfortable using this as well um, in person. In person, yeah, absolutely, that's amazing. And we know that you recently launched a website. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, yes. Congratulations. Took, thank you. Thank you. It took, it took a while and um, I worked, I spent a lot of time creating 25 activity plans with an introduction, et cetera, to, uh, to language, to pottery and pottery types of play and it took a really long time but it was well worth it I hope it will be <laughs> and, um, and um, they are available uh, there are kits uh, for home for mm -hmm. school and professional use uh, the the activity plans are available on the website and we partnered with a, a small business owner in Chicago um, so that uh, anybody interested can purchase uh, a language kit mm -hmm. that contains the necessary materials, etc. And it's all on the website. We wanted to make it um, as easy as possible to get a program started. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking at the website. It's very nicely laid out. There's some great um, frequently asked questions. There's research that you guys can look at if you go on to that. Um, and it's just clanguage.com. So C-L-A-Y-N-G-U-A-G-E.com. So definitely make sure that our listeners check that out because there's a lot of really good information on there and the packages yeah, look you. amazing as well. And I just wanted to say your website is beautiful and very impressive. Claire and I are, we know the struggle of creating a website and Hard. 
how challenging that can be. So it's beautiful. You should thank be very you. proud of the oh, company you've created. You. Yeah. Thank you. I also just wanted to share something ex else exciting, if I may. Of course. Um, about two years ago, I explained language to a colleague, Max Freeman. Um, he had just earned his PhD in speech from Northwestern University. Shortly thereafter, he took a position at St. John's University in New York. And I'm so excited to share that he is conducting research regarding the effectiveness of clay-based language stimulation and its effect wow. on vocabulary, oral, and pragmatic language skills. Wow. Um, yeah, he started the research before COVID and we're, he's trying to get back into it slowly but surely. And um, he, we actually um, submitted an abstract that was, that was accepted at ASHA. That's this wonderful. This last um, conference that didn't take place. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we will resubmit so that yes. hopefully we, <laughs> Next year. We, we can present. But it was, it was exciting that they did accept our paper. So Absolutely. that was exciting. And um, also what I wanted to mention was um, uh, he had, Max Freeman had also co-authored an article and I just wanted to, you know, read, you know, whatever he, um, whatever um, articles he had co-authored and um, been involved with. I, you know, I asked him for a copy, I asked him where to find them. And lo and behold, I read one, six principles of language development implications for second language learners. And why am I telling you this? Because after I read the article, I realized that these principles are embedded in many language activities. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really, it, it's really very exciting. It's and so these activities, really yeah, these activities are all heavily backed by research. And the fact that more research is coming out pertaining to it is very exciting. That's so exciting oh, for you too, Hinda. Congrats. It really is. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank that's, you. That's wonderful. Well, um, our listeners can find you on your website and also on your Instagram. We will make sure that we share all of that information so that that is out Thank there. You. Is there Thank anything you. else that you wanted to add briefly or anything? Oh, well, um, I, I can tell you that um, I, that language activities are designed to help align your curriculum with the learning expectations outlined on the Common Core Standard, um, and that um, the Common Core Standards, they set specific standards, but they don't define the intervention methods or materials necessary mm -hmm. to support students. And it is really my hope that these activity plans can help in some way with that. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. If not, we'll, we'll, we'll do whatever we can to help with that even more so. Well, Hinda, I think you're already helping a lot of people with these, and I'm really excited to see where it goes for you. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Oh, really? I appreciate this opportunity, and I'll be seeing you on Instagram. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> oh, no. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thanks. Hinda. Bye-bye.
Well, guys, that wraps up this episode. Thank you again so much for joining us. And as always, you can find me, Rachel, on Instagram at supersweetspeech. And if you or anyone you know is in need of speech therapy in Southeast Michigan, feel free to email me at speechissupersweet at gmail.com. You can also follow the Let's Talk About Speech podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Teachers Pay Teachers. So make sure you give those a like and a follow. And you can find me, Claire, on Instagram at kindly underscore speech or my Facebook page, Kindly Speech LLC. And if anyone in the Ohio area is in need of speech teletherapy, please contact me, kindlyspeechllc at gmail.com. Rachel and I also have an email for the podcast. Let's talk about speech podcast at gmail.com. Email us with questions, suggestions, or if you have somebody that you think would be great on the episode, we love interviewing you guys and we love collaborating. So just let us know. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.